Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Podcast, with your host Nick Myers. Artificial Intelligence. Voice Recognition. Machine Learning. Robotic. Actionable Analytics. It is Nick's goal to help everyone understand how AI and voice technology are reshaping our lives both personally and within organizations. Your glimpse into the growing world of AI and voice first starts now. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Welcome to the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and I am here to help break down topics in artificial intelligence and voice first to show everyone how these technologies are going to impact our lives both personally and within organizations. The Artificial Podcast is brought to you by Red Fox AI, helping give brands a voice through the power of AI and voice assistant technology. Welcome back to another episode of the Artificial Podcast. This week's guest is Rana Gujral. Rana is an entrepreneur, investor, and CEO of Behavioral Signals, an enterprise software company that delivers a robust and fast-evolving emotion AI engine that introduces emotional intelligence into speech recognition technology. Rana has been awarded Entrepreneur of the Month by CIO Magazine, the U.S.-China Pioneer Award by IEIE, and listed in the top 10 entrepreneurs to follow in 2017 by the Huffington Post. He was also recently listed in Inc. Magazine as an AI entrepreneur to watch, and he has spoken at conferences such as the World Government Summit and AI Everything in Dubai, the Silicon Valley Smart Future Summit, and IEIE in New York City. You can find his writing in publications such as Inc., TechCrunch, and Forbes. Rana, welcome to the Artificial Podcast. How are you? Thank you for the invite, Nick. I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. No, I, I, I super appreciate you taking the time for one because of just, I'm assuming how busy you are with everything you're building. Oh my gosh. And I'm just, I, I, I'm so happy that we get to chat here about what you're working on in artificial intelligence, specifically with behavioral signals, because I think it really is some groundbreaking stuff. Uh, thanks. No, I mean, I, it's a, it's a privilege to be here. I love to I love to talk about technology. I love to talk about voice and AI, and uh, so it's it's a it's a good it's a good medium for me. And uh, thanks and appreciate for I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So let's kick things off here. And I remember when we kind of had our intro Zoom chat before we we got things rolling here. You you kind of led me through your journey of how you got started in technology and, and what led you to this point. So just so everybody who's listening can can get a gauge of where you're at, how, what got you started in technology and specifically through that journey, what led you into the artificial intelligence space? Okay, well, there's a backstory with the, the technology focus. Um, I mean, I actually grew up uh, in a family of doctors, a very proud set of doctors and uh, you know, including my grandfather, my uncles, my dad, who's a very successful orthopedic surgeon. And I was really, you know, that's all I thought uh, I wanted to ever be. And I, mm-hmm. I, I prepared uh, for med school, I, I wanted to be a doctor. And then suddenly, when I got my first computer um, around my high school days, I just sort of fell in love. And I fell in love with technology, and I fell in love in computer science. And um, that, that was the switch, and I've never looked back. And so I spent a lot of years in my, through my career uh, building products, um, software products, hardware products, everything in the middle, some really exciting successes, some mega 
failures, but you know, it's been, it's been a fantastic journey. And uh, I, I've also been blessed with some amazing opportunities. So I, you know, when I was uh, in corporate uh, building some interesting products, I was presented with uh, an opportunity to do a tech turnaround, which was something I'd never done before. And it was, uh, it was an immense challenge. And I, we took it over and we did it. It was a successful turnaround and learned a lot through it. Did a startup right after, which again, as you know, uh, was a, it was, it's just a, it's a tremendous learning experience and uh, building building not just a product, but a company from scratch and mm-hmm. seeing it grow and seeing it succeed and, uh, you know, getting to a successful outcome was a tremendous, fantastic experience. So, um, yeah, I've been, you know, I'd say uh, one, I, it's, it's both a combination of having presented some amazing opportunities and having sort of the sort of the, the wisdom to at, at that point to capitalize on it and take it, take it on. And, but also in general, you know, I've seeked out um, newer things to do and seeked out interesting things to do. Um, and for the most part, it's the new and the different that excites me. Um, so yeah, here we are uh, on yet another journey. No, oh, that's, that's an incredible story. And, you know, I, I swear, I, things work in mysterious ways. So it's funny because actually I wanted to be a doctor as well growing up. I actually am a leukemia survivor. Yeah, I'm a leukemia survivor. So through most of my young life or a oh, large wow. chunk of it, yeah. I was very much around doctors all of the time. And I formed the mindset of, I really want to help people. I want to help save lives like the people right. who save my lives. And long story yeah. short, I hopped into university, took a couple of classes, and right out of the hole was like, yeah, this isn't for me. (laughs) And then ultimately, yeah, yeah, ultimately fell into marketing and communications. And then, you know, one thing led to another with me. And and here I am in the artificial intelligence space as well, and as as well as trying to grow my own business. So I I really like how our paths are are a bit similar in that respect. And I'm finding there's a lot of people who want, wanted to be either a doctor in the medical or healthcare space who wound up in technology. Yeah, I, I, have, I, actually, I actually met a few very smart people who, uh, who are actually successful medical doctors and they've, they've spent about 10, 10, uh, 10 years or a decade or so practicing with a lot of success. But uh, they've had a change of heart and they've, uh, they got into, uh, got into entrepreneurship and they've, they made a concerted effort to learn technology um, and, and they've capitalized on that I and mean, they capitalized on their, their previous skills and their learnings uh, in, in the medical profession and they're bringing some really impeccable innovations to market. And I think that's the magic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, imagine the amount of work, uh, the hard work that it go, goes into becoming a medical doctor. It's not, it's not oh, yeah. for the faint of heart. No, it's it super, is not. super hard. And, but to, to have, still have that desire to continue to learn after you've gotten to that point, I, I respect that a lot. Absolutely. And, and I, I think it's, because that's the thing about, as, as you know, trying to get into that, it is a lot of studying, a lot of education, a lot of time. And, you know, there's almost some parallels between healthcare and wanting to become a doctor between the technology space, because I feel like even in technology, there's just always so much to learn and you're constantly learning and you're constantly pushing yourself because somebody's always coming out with a new way to do something. So I, I also view yep. that there's a lot of parallels with that. But, you know, given your story and what you kind of went into here, what has it been like being so involved in technology as, as not only an investor, but a CEO and multiple mm-hmm. tech companies and startups? And, 
you know, even more specifically, how has the industry evolved since you first got started? Yeah, that's a fascinating question. I, I think the industry is constantly evolving. And I'd say, you know, it, it's evolved in the last two years. It, and that's how fast the, the things are changing. Um, I, I in, in the mindset of sort of also how, uh, how easy it's become to go build a product out and test out our ideas. And so that's, that's the fascinating uh, side of the, the, the positive, positive side of development. And it used to be that you need uh, a very uh, specialized set of skills. Uh, you need a lot of money. You need a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You had to build a lot of things uh, from scratch to uh, do something innovative and bring something to market. And uh, now it's super easy. You need some, um, you know, some basic aspects of execution in place. And you, you need some interesting ideas and an ability to see those through and uh, you could piece it together. I mean, you could piece it together, you could test it out, you could test out an opportunity um, in, in a very, very short amount of time frame. And in fact, um, you know, as an investor, that's something I, I also look at in terms of uh, the creative element behind an entrepreneur is like, not, not only the problem they've solved, but how have they solved it? What's the approach they've mm -hmm. taken towards it? Um, have they been trying to push a boulder uphill or have they been working smart and that that's incredibly important because um you know i get pitched on a lot of ideas oh, now sure. i'm wearing my investor but uh you know uh just to sort of indulge me there for a second i i, I keep saying this uh that i haven't heard of an original idea in the last two decades wow it's people come to me and say hey, i have this brilliant idea I was like, yeah, but I've seen this. I've heard this. Uh, <laughs> I can Google it for you. And we've been working on it for a couple of years. And, uh, and then I could point them towards certain, certain examples of uh, something which I've seen lately. And they're like shocked. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. They're doing the same thing. Uh, and so the thing is that, but that's okay. That's okay because uh, innovation happens in those niches and uh, it's sort of like that sliver of differentiation that makes you tremendously valuable. And so it's your ability to find those, find those opportunities and have that ability to sort of execute towards it uh, faster than the next person and bring that innovation to market and provide and create value. Uh, that's what matters. And you could then replicate that in different contexts, in different markets. And to have a, have a vision or have an ability to see, uh, think outside the box and see outside the box and sort of, you know, um, and so that fact, that's what differentiates, uh, you know, an amazing entrepreneur from someone who is so stuck uh, onto mm -hmm. like a, a piece of, a piece of uh, sort of the pie and a piece of the vision. Um, and I, I think that's, uh, that's what's changed. What's changed is sort of uh, the opportunities are in different places and it, it takes a different set of skills to go after those opportunities. Uh, what used to be really hard is very easy, but also what used to be very easy is very hard right now. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so back in the day, you, you go after certain things and, um, you know, uh, after doing all the heavy lifting, uh, you're in it, you're in that game and uh, you, you, would, you would capitalize on that space. Today, it's too crowded. There's, there's, a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of competition. So uh, it's not the points of differentiate. It's not, it's not really the sort of the, the larger 
um, invention that you have. It's the points of differentiation and how are you going to execute on it and how, how, how will you use smart tools towards your disposable, uh, disposal and how fast can you, uh, you know, run. And so those, those things have changed. And um, I mean, it's still equally competitive, but it's about different things. That is, I, I, that is excellent advice. And it, it's, I even took to heart what you just said, because as I'm trying to build what we're doing here at, at Red Fox AI and a product we're working on, I'm encountering a lot of the issues that you actually just described. So as, as you're giving advice to everybody listening, here I am now advocating saying, yes, Ronnie is actually spot on with, with everything he just said. And having gotten more involved in the startup space, even here in, in Madison, it's the same thing. Like, you know, I, I don't claim to be a guru when it comes to startups and products and anything by any ways or means, but there's people are just, there's so many similar things these days. It's like, like you said, I've, I've seen this already. How many different times is a different variation of it? So I think that the advice you provided in terms of the execution aspect and becoming really differentiated in a niche, if, if you're someone listening to this and and you're working on a product, the, the advice that Rana just gave is, is absolutely spot on. So thank you for that. Of course, uh, it's a pleasure. And precisely that's why I asked that question too, because I'm like with wearing his investor hat, he's going to be able to give some really good advice here on just anybody trying to build a product at this point in time. But shifting gears a bit now to your current endeavor, you know, I, I really want you to dive into behavioral signals. And the work that you're mm -hmm. doing with that and ultimately what you're hoping to accomplish with the platform itself, the API you're building, all of it. I want you to dive in all of it. Uh, sure. So Behavioral Signals uh, is, is a company that's focused on unraveling insights uh, from voice conversations, from, from your voice and from, from audio in general that that haven't been unraveled in the past. I mean, that's sort of, I'd say, that's sort of the big picture, right? So we do a lot of things. I mean, we've had a very strong research academic background. Uh, our founders uh, are renowned researchers with many awards, many accolades. They have they put in over two decades of uh, their lives into researching voice interactions and behavioral signals from audio and piecing that together into very specialized analytics and building prediction engines. And so we're, we're in that, we're in that domain of sort of, okay, you know, piece it together and, and bring those inventions towards um, important and relevant business outcomes. So what do we do? Well, as I said, uh, we, we decipher insights, intelligent and actionable insights from voice. And so typically when you look at, um, um, basic NLP systems out there, they're mm -hmm. largely focused on what is being said. And so right. what we do is we add to that an element of how something is being said in addition to the what part. And a combination of what plus how uh, unravels uh, behaviors and intent. Um, and uh, that, that, that can then predict certain outcomes. And so what, uh, what we are have sort of focused on in the near term is certain use cases around uh, performance and coaching and enablement, but also, you know, uh, predicting certain outcomes, which are very, very powerful for towards, uh, towards business outcomes. So for example, predicting if uh, someone is going to pay the debt or not pay the debt or so predicting if mm -hmm. someone's going to buy or not buy. And so that's kind of what we do. I mean, in terms of our 
sort of core science and core core capabilities i'd say think of that in three different buckets the first bucket is essential elements of speech processing so if there's a multi-party conversation happening we we could decipher that conversation and Wow. Uh, and deduce who's speaking, who's speaking when, uh, how fast, how fast they're speaking, how, uh, how, what is the speaking ratio and listening ratio for the participants? And if someone's cutting someone else off, et cetera, et cetera, we can even deduce age and gender of the participants without really knowing wow. anything about uh, who's who's in the call, right? So that's the first bucket. Uh, the second bucket is uh, a very advanced ASR engine, which is, uh, for the most part, um, you know, a, a commoditized play in the market. But mm -hmm. where we specialize is we're not just focused on transcript, uh, transcribing the audio into text. We're also focused on deciphering a lot of uh, special insights uh, from from that transcription based on our our, our specialized algorithms, which we're focused on. Um, the third bucket is the one which is the most exciting bucket that this is our secret stuff. This is where we, uh, we have very specialized signal detection capabilities. So we decipher and detect signals such as anger, happiness, and sadness, so these emotions in voice, and then behaviors such as uh, engagement, empathy, politeness of the participants at a, at a moment of time, real time, as the conversation's happening. And so then the question is, okay, why is that important? Well, um, the, the reason that's important is if if you can deduce emotions and you could deduce the the sort of the cognitive state of mind of the participants, you could actually predict uh, the behavior of the participant, and you could in fact also predict intent. And so those are the things that are now possible. So not only can you use that towards the traditional use cases such as uh, monitoring performance and monitoring uh, engagement, but you could also now predict uh, outcomes and. Those are the different things we help solve for. And so we, we're multi-vertical, multi, multi so we operate into, you know, not only the, the customer experience, customer engagement uh, focus areas uh, where the solutions are largely delivered in uh, contact center platforms, but also in health tech and robotics mm -hmm. and virtual assistants. So um, a variety of different applications of the science. That is incredible technology. That's the only way I can think of of how to sum up what you're doing. So uh, I guess for me, just just trying to wrap yeah. my head head around this because it it's just it's so cool. I can't think of any other word to describe what you're doing as as cool, insanely practical, of course, but just mm -hmm. also so cool. And I I think most people, of course, we have a lot of people who listen to the to the show here who are in the voice space, and and you're right, uh, the current state of Alexa and Google can just understand very simple context. You know, you're, you're not, yeah. I can't actively analyze, you know, what is the emotion behind that? What, what that's, I mean, yeah, I can piece together what the intent is, but it, it's not from right. an emotional standpoint, which is the most important mm -hmm. piece. And I think that's why we're seeing so many people get these devices and they're like, okay, but it still kind of sounds like a robot and, you know, it can only do all these basic things, which of course we, we know they, they can do a lot more than that, but that's just the stereotype that they have. But what you're working on takes that to the next level. So my next question here, I really want to know what does that process look like breaking down really human emotion and emotional intelligence and, and converting that into an AI model that can really understand the emotional context of what we're saying really about as good as other human beings. What does that process look like? What goes into that? Yeah. So, I mean, the process involves uh, first uh, taking 
lots and lots of data and uh, coming out uh, and deciphering uh, so certain specific uh, modalities from that around uh, specific signal processing of deducing deducing emotion signals and behavioral signals and then um, and, and primarily our science is based on tonality so for example um, you could you could also deduce a state of mind by the words I choose to use, and mm -hmm. I'm saying some stuff, and uh, you could say the, the, because because of what you're saying, I can I can uh, sort of uh, put a finger on how you're feeling and uh, what do you mean by by X or Y. Uh, but a lot is uh, you know uh, under sort of uh, behind those words, and uh, in terms of, sort of how I'm saying something, the the pitch and the tonal variance. Uh, and the tonality of my my pronunciations sort of just you know uh, imply a lot of a lot about my emotional state of mind. And so our our science is largely tonality based. So we we do look at the words being used, but for the most part, we're we're largely focused on how something is being said. And that's that's really the the core of our signal detection capability. So when we're deducing emotional signals, uh, it's almost uh, you know it's almost uh, sort of deduced not even from listening to the actual words and you could you could uh, you could do it uh, on a foreign language uh, audio script without necessarily even understanding what what the person is saying and just simply wow. by keying off on the points of inflection and so that's that's really how uh we work and uh, that's uh, you know that's the core of our science no that, that that's incredible and i think i may have asked you this too in our our intro conversation, but I, I know you're you're actively building on an API and you have it available. So when it when it comes to because the the thing I can think of here, of course, is this is insanely practical for voice assistant technology and voice assistants. Um, so what which what what type of voice assistants I guess would you be looking to integrate with? And I, I think you said not necessarily Alexa and Google right now, but what is the plan in terms of bringing this incredible technology to the greater market in terms of this, this advanced natural language understanding that you've been able to create here and, and what voice assistants would you be looking to integrate with or maybe not voice assistants at all? Or I guess I'm just, I, I just want to know what your plans are. What, what, what do you want to do with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about voice assistants for a second, right? I mean, and in general, uh, the, the use cases around voice interactions. And this is certainly uh, an area which is, uh, which is ex of ex extreme and tremendous potential. Um, it, it's the most intrinsic form of communication for us as humans. That's, mm -hmm. that's a given. I mean, we'd like to, if you have to engage with, uh, you know, a fellow human, or if you have to engage with even an object or a machine, um, you know, it's easiest through voice. And that, that use case has been proven out. I mean, we were talking to things, we're talking to cars now. Uh, we, we don't, I mean, touch, Certainly improved on, uh, you know, the, the physical buttons and widgets, uh, but now it's just talking to something is even more natural for us. But um, what we've seen is tremendous growth, and um, and you've seen amazing capabilities such as NLP, uh, which just a few years ago was supposedly cutting edge, and now in 2019 it's mostly commoditized, <laughs> right. super accurate, very predictable. Um, so those things have changed, and lots of progression has also made uh, been made by investments by large companies into understanding specific contexts of conversation. So if, if there's a conversation happening, 
the context matters a lot. I mean, if it's a spousal conversation, then in order to make sense, you have to put that into context. Or if it's a conversation between a doctor and a patient, in order to deduce insights, you have to understand the context of a doctor right. and a patient and the specific techno buzzwords that go into it. And so there's a, there's a lot of work that's gone in to sort of uh, you know, decipher all of that. What's been missing is sort of the sort of the focus on the how part or the emotional and the cognitive state of mind, which is so important, right? And I like to use this example, right? So for example, you know, if you and I are talking and having just a conversation and, you know, uh, you, you ask me a question, uh, a simple question such as, hey, Rana, would you like to do this? And I respond back with a very sarcastic, sure. Um, you know, obviously, you know what? what I mean by sure, you mean it's, you understand that and what it means, but you also sense sarcasm. It's a natural thing right. for you to sense as a human, you, 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 you know that I really don't really mean it, but I'm just saying the word sure. And so you're probably going to come back with, okay, maybe now is not a good time. Now, um, you know, and imagine how that very simple interaction, one question a uh, simple question with one word response looks like a, in a billion dollar project like Alexa, right? Oh, so when uh, that same question is asked by the voice assistant and you respond back with a very sarcastic, sure, the voice assistant has no clue. Right. And the response is, great, let's do it. And that therein lies the, the barrier to go to the next level of interaction with these entities because uh, we're, we're not, we're not like, you know, we're losing respect and we're not thinking of these entities as the, as our own. And so like the promise of these assistants have been that they will be a fundamental and intrinsic part of our lives. We'll be speaking to these assistants as we would to a fellow human. And they would maybe in some, in some form substitute a real, uh, physical, uh, you know, real live assistant and, and help us and be our companions in, in some ways. Uh, but that's not happened, right? I right. mean, for, for the most part, there's a lot of skills that have been added. Uh, Amazon just added 100,000 skill uh, on the platform, which is amazing. And uh, the new languages being supported. And certainly the search engine and the search capabilities have tremendously improved. So it can answer a lot of questions. But there's no interactions. I mean, there's Correct. no conversation happening. And largely because... Um, you know, the emotional and the behavioral state of mind or the ability to process that uh, is missing. And so, you know, one, one, uh, one study I like to tell out as well, which is a very cool um, report that came out, was why are, why are people uh, so rude to their voice assistants, especially kids, but even <laughs> I adults, remember seeing that right? one. And so, yeah, and so it's like, you know, people, uh, people yell at them uh, or at least speak to, speak to it in a condescending tone of voice generally without, without any purpose, right? right? I mean, there's no reason, but I mean, that's how we do it. Um, and, uh, and it's probably because uh, we don't think of it as our equal and also because we, we know that uh, the, the other side doesn't really have the ability to sort of uh, process my state of mind. And so, and that's a very intrinsic part of having meaningful conversations. So if you and I are talking, it's not just uh, a conversation where I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm also listening to how you're saying what you're saying. What do you mm -hmm. actually mean? How do you actually feel? And I'm trying to uh, relate to it. Um, and my aspect of relating to how you feel 
makes that conversation live and meaningful. And uh, if, if you can't replicate that in, in a conversation with a, hum, uh, with a non-human, whether it's a chatbot, uh, voice chatbot, or whether it is a robot, or whether it's a virtual assistant, um, then those interactions will never progress to the next level. And no. uh, will never come to fruition. And so we're, we're, we're basically working towards bridging that gap in some ways. And we're, 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 we have the capability to provide to that inanimate uh, entity, whatever that is, uh, have those capabilities uh, that us humans have naturally. So, um, so we're, we're, working, we're working towards some very interesting use cases. Um, Primarily in the in the in the VCA VPA, which is sort of the the virtualized customer assistant and virtualized mm-hmm. product uh, assistance categories, uh, which uh, was sort of the next generation uh, implementations of text chatbots, which is sort of like virtualized right. uh, voice based chatbots. Uh, but then uh, there are some interesting projects we're also working with certain certain voice assistant teams to basically help do what I just these voice assistants an ability to uh, be more human-like i mean for the lack of a better terminology um, you know yeah no i i think you're exactly spot on with that that the reason we're seeing the way people are interacting with the technology and why it, it more than likely has not taken off as, as a lot of the research says is because it's lacking that emotional that emotional aspect which Leads me to my a perfect segue into my next question here is, do you ever think we'll get to a point with conversational AI where we will have purely emotional experiences with technology and that they will be on our equal level? I guess specifically, again, voice assistants, you know, much like we do with everybody else. Do you think we'll, we'll get to that point? I think we will. I think we will. And I, and I think, I think, you know, um, there are there are small wins which will make a tremendous difference in our in our uh, experiences, which uh, which will make uh, which will make for some powerful use cases and powerful businesses. Like so, for example, like imagine a situation, and this is a very simple use case, right? So, um, I travel a lot, and I'm often um, in a in a in a foreign airport uh, trying to catch a busy uh, busy connection. Um, try to find where where do I need to go, and you're looking for the information desk. And usually, you can't find one. When you find one, uh, there's no one there. Uh, if someone's there, uh, <laughs> the person doesn't speak English. And, so true. Uh, like, and you, so you, this is an international airport. Uh, the person doesn't speak English. Okay, great. So now, I mean, it's useless for me. Um, and so, if you if you had a situation where you were to go to an information desk or a kiosk and it could speak all the languages of the world. You could talk to it and it has, uh, you know, it has accurate information for you, but in more so than that, uh, rather, you know, instead of just telling you, Hey, um, you're gate 15 or at terminal six, uh, you gotta go take the train and you have to go this way. Uh, it could also tell you that you should relax because uh, you know you have a lot of time, and it says that to you because it can sense that you're stressed or sense that you're anxious, and um, like a, a, a human would. Um, and those capabilities are available available today, right? And so imagine yep. a different scenario. So this this would be the Uber uh, customer's dream, right? So you call in, and uh, your, your call gets picked up right away. It's answered by someone rather than uh, a voice redirecting service. 
uh, or a chatbot, and that 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 uh, you know that person is uh, completely and fully aware of all your transactions and all your history is completely entirely patient. You could yell at it, but the, that person is never going to lose its cool and or his or her cool, and it responds to you in a very empathetic, accurate manner, and uh, you know that gives you that fantastic experience. Except for the fact that there is no person. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. person doesn't exist. It's a virtualized chatbot, which, uh, which is as human-like as potentially one could be. And uh, are those use cases completely uh, a pipe dream? Not really. I mean, we're almost there. Not right. quite, but we're almost there. I, th- I think there are certain gaps in there. And for us, I mean, I, we also feel is that it's not just sort of having that, that assistant have the context of what problem it needs to be solved, which is a huge problem but also have that, that entity have the ability to process the state of mind so that you could be more relatable, so that you could be more human-like. And for the most part, people are more pissed because you're speaking to something which is not <laughs> human-like versus, versus they're not able to answer the questions, right? right. I mean, and so I, I, think, so I think those are the things that, that, that are coming to play. Um, and so to, to your question, um, I, think, I think, yes, I think we're, uh, we're working towards it. Well, with all that in mind, what are your thoughts on something like the Google Duplex? I, and that's a, a, an example I always like to use in my talks because I, it just blows people mind, blows people's minds that we can have a technology like that to begin with. But what are your thoughts on a technology like that? Does that incorporate any type of, I mean, I would assume it does, but does, does that incorporate any type of behavioral understanding, the demo that they showed? And I know it's been released to the public as well. Is um, What are your thoughts on a technology like that? given the space that you've been working in with behavioral signals? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that's an interesting capability. Um, and it's, I think, largely designed to, today, I, I think, I mean, mostly largely designed to help people make appointments, uh, right. you know, basic without stuff. basic stuff. And I think it's, it's a good start. I mean, it's a good start. And uh, I mean, what I find acute is that try to make it human-like, I, uh, by doing cute things like putting in words like um and pause breaks <laughs> to sound it more like a real human. And, uh, but, you know, I think we could do better, right? I mean, I, agree. I think, you know, Absolutely. I'd say, yeah, okay, dude, I mean, but that's kind of faking it, right? And so what if you actually have the duplex uh, and maybe Google should work with us, right? I mean, we could help Google duplex uh, not necessarily need to uh, fake uh, uh, by putting it, you know, introducing ums and pause breaks, but rather really understanding uh, the state of mind and then reacting to that state of mind, which mm-hmm. would surprise the human and, uh, you know, completely hook the human into a more deeper conversation with duplex. Um, because, you know, and, and then, then would relate to duplex uh, like, like we relate to our fellow humans. Right. And I think, I think the the things I think uh, it's it's a good approach. I mean, I, I it's it's actually a good case, uh, you know, point of case that it's it's a missing experience that is limiting, um, you know, those those interactions to progress to the next level. Absolutely. And as a result, uh, as a result, we've sort of hit a plateau because yes, uh, NLP is awesome, and you know, speech to text is very accurate, um, and you have these uh, robotic voices that are getting better and better. Sounds as much as like as almost almost human like, if not even like exactly human. But um, th- there's something missing. 
And, uh, you know, those, those things aren't being solved by introducing ums and pause breaks like Google is doing. <laughs> no, I, I agree completely. And that's actually what I thought oh, of when Google's I was not going to get bit by that. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's funny that you, you brought up the cutesy ums and everything like that, because when I first saw that video, I, I kind of was blown away by it too, but I, I kind of started thinking about it like you did where I was like, yeah, that's great, but it, it's still coming across as mimicking versus authentic, natural conversation that actually understands the emotional signals coming from what I'm actually asking it to do or my interaction with it. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I've thought about that more and more and more every time I watch that demo and, and I show it off to folks as well. Now, I know we both, of course, are very big advocates of, of AI as a technology and, and what we can do with it, but what is your biggest fear when it comes to artificial intelligence as a technology? You know, is there anything that scares you the most or anything that you think we need to be thinking about more so than anything else? As of course, AI grows and we begin to incorporate it into more and more facets of just what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I think this, look, uh, AI uh, can uh, and can be super useful. It could it could cause problems. Uh, I mean, all those all those all those fears about uh, AI taking jobs um, is uh, you know uh, uh, there's there's merit to all of those things and there's exaggerations and everything, yeah. right? So, and I think for me, uh, I feel the the fear is us not capitalizing on the opportunity because uh, we are sort of, um, you know, in this, in this mode of uh, sort of over exemplifying sort of uh, some of those, uh, some of those, the yes. buzz aspects of the Absolutely. technology. And as a result, there's a lot of fun factor. Uh, there's a lot of fun factor, which is resulting uh, in um, either us focused on uh, non-value added stuff or, or maybe shying away from certain use cases that make a, you know, could make a substantial yeah. difference. Or shiny objects. And, uh, and, and as, Oh, exactly, and 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 not necessarily fully leveraging the capabilities uh, that uh, that AI can really bring to fruition. That being said, um, th there's amazing work happening uh, in AI, uh, and there 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 are companies, there uh, there are founders, there are entrepreneurs, there there are countries even focused on uh, building core capabilities and focused on specific use cases and specific value adds uh, that uh, that that are making a difference today in health tech, in, in, in patient care, in customer experience, in automating tasks in solving complex problems in you know, in, in saving money and in making money in all of those different areas. And so that's, that's all, that's all magical. Um, that being said, I think, uh, my personal, uh, my, my, I, I would, I shouldn't say fear. It's more around sort of, concerns mm -hmm. are largely around um, ethics and privacy Absolutely. and I think you know there's definitely you know definitely there's more a lot to be cautious about there's uh, there's a lot happening which are a lot of things that are happening which most people don't understand right I mean as you've seen uh, with social media I've seen with um, <laughs> you know the some recent tools out there that people love a tool, they get excited about it, they don't understand the ramifications, and yep. they don't really understand what they are giving up or what does that actually mean, and um, and then they get taken advantage of. And so I think, you know, um, someone asked me, where do you draw the line, uh, you know, for privacy? And I said, well, I think I draw the line uh, whether there's a line of consent, 
And that is a line that is getting violated all the time, right? So if, uh, if, if you haven't given consent for something or if you don't understand uh, what you're giving consent for, that's where the violations are. Outside of that, let the market choose, let the customers choose yes. what is a meaningful experience for them and what's a meaningful engagement and interaction. Um, and, the, the, and, and, you know, you're giving up something to get something. Yep. And so if you're okay, no free lunch. okay with that trade-off, that's great. But are you, if, you're, if you don't understand those trade-offs, that's where the problem is. Yes, I, I agree completely because I, you know, especially in the space we work, we work in the whole privacy thing. I just feel like the media, of course, sensationalizes it as much as they can. And it is very much a valid concern. And I just think if, if there is one thing that needs to be done, there needs to be more awareness made on what people are actually signing up for that, that I will openly admit. But my philosophy on the whole thing is, and I guess maybe this is just my age or the fact I've always grown up with the technology. I'm not hiding anything. At least I don't feel like I am or anything. And I know that may be a bit of a, a different perspective. I think there needs to be more transparency, of course, absolutely of, of where the data is going. But overall, you know, we're just living in this world where everything is just more and more and more connected. And the only for it to progress is it just needs data. And I'm not saying people need to be taken advantage of that, of course, whatsoever. But I just really think this is an interesting discussion. Yeah. And I love asking it from, from people like you who've been in this space for so long. You know, wh what is that ultimately going to become? And, you know, what people need to start, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, waking up to in order to ensure that some of these protections are here, you know, in terms of data privacy, ethics, all this stuff. So I think that is a very valid claim and a, a very valid, like you said, not necessarily a fear, just a concern that I think hopefully we will tackle or, or somebody will tackle who definitely is smarter than me on that. So <laughs> um, what is your favorite piece yeah, of technology and, and why? My favorite piece of technology. I, I mean, I have lots of favorites. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I'm working on one. <laughs> <I'd say> that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 a it's 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 a it's a favorite. It's one of the favorites because of many reasons. It's it's a favorite because uh, of the potential impact uh, it, it can have uh, when you know when we're truly able to leverage uh, leverage its true potential, and so I, I I'm fascinated by by that goal. I'm fascinated by that that potential of impact in multiple different verticals, um, in in a variety of different use cases, um, and with a with a tangible impact not around just the bottom line but actual customer experience and uh, and and then the the big kahuna which is um, unraveling uh, newer capabilities so so we're sort of like I feel almost um, at a glass ceiling of voice mm -hmm. interactions once we shatter that and once we have those uh, those abilities transferred into these uh, these virtualized entities uh, then that would unravel a whole bunch of newer experiences, a newer set of use cases, and it will then filter down into our, our daily life experiences and how we go about doing uh, our things. Um, you know, where we enter into a home and, you know, uh, based on our tone of voice, uh, we sort of say switch on the lights and, you know, the house and the, uh, the, the various appliances inside the home. In fact, that's one of the use cases we, we're working with a large company on, which I can't name because of privacy reasons. <laughs> uh, but they're, 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 working, they're working on, you know, putting these capabilities um, onto, onto a SOC or a system on chip that 
that can then be leveraged by uh, all, all of those connected, connected devices inside the home, right? So you have almost sort of like an EPU. So think of this, like your, your house becomes um, you know, a computer, a large computer where there's an EPU, there's, there's a central device that is, you know, it's just like, just like today you have, um, you know, if you have a security system, you have, you have a place where, uh, you know, you have the servers and where, where the recordings are done and everything is being monitored. So you have a computer that's sort of managing the security and surveillance of your house and it's managing of the alerts and recording, et cetera, et cetera, with the battery backup. So just like that, in the future, you would have uh, a, a place where there's an emotional processing unit where it keeps, it keeps tab on your well-being. It understands how the human and the human residents in the house are feeling. And not just from an you know, anger, happiness, and sadness standpoint, but also distress and you know, maybe, maybe danger or maybe you, know, you are in, uh, in some sort of a pain. And, and then it allows you to, you know, uh, have a safer experience and it can, you know, it could, it could either talk to you or, you know, if, it, if it's an aspect of depression or, you know, make, make conversation or suggest the right lighting or suggest the light, right music. Yes. And I'm just saying it is amazing amount of use cases when, oh, when so you, many. when you go about and think about all the things that could be unraveled. And so that is, that is one of the reasons why I'm really fascinated by the impact uh, of what potentially could happen once, once, you know, once the, the magic is unraveled. Oh, absolutely. I, I cannot wait for the day where I literally just walk into my home and whatever voice assistant it may be at the time, just automatically is adjusting things, ordering products, ordering groceries that the drones deliver. My car goes off to get an oil change <laughs> because it's all connected. And it, you know, like you said, it's that EPU and that emotional understanding of your life that the technology can finally understand and interpret to make things better. I am so excited for that. So I, I couldn't agree more. Well, we've, we've covered a lot in this episode and it, it's been so much fun diving into so much of this with you, Rana. Like you, you have no idea. I mean, I, my mind has just been blown by a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. I'm, I'm so excited. But as That's we kind of wrap everything together here for this episode, I, I always end on this question and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. What is one thing that someone can do today to begin leveraging AI either personally, with, either personally or within their organization? I think uh, you know AI is being leveraged in many different ways. Uh, I, I I tend to think of that question as uh, what more can be done because there's a lot that's being done already. Um, there, there, there's a lot in use. And one thing with AI is that you know um, you can't you can't display that uh, in a booth in a conference. Uh, it's behind the scenes. Uh, it's right. uh, it's in your software systems. It's uh, it's in your HR software and it's it's in your uh, you know, uh, in your social network, um, it's in your devices. And so there's a lot of uh, implementations of AI already manifesting themselves uh, all around us. And uh, there are things, there's subtle things that are being done differently that, uh, that are being uh, built on top of uh, AI capability. So for, for, for researchers and for developers uh, who are looking at those use cases, um, I mean, I, I tend to always gravitate towards, you know, use cases uh, that, uh, that, that can make an impact uh, on an on a experience aspect of things, which is, you know, 
I do this and I do, uh, and if I implement this, uh, that does that have positive experience, uh, a positive impact on experience? I think, I think I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by that part. And that's not to say that there aren't other approaches towards it. Um, I feel when you go towards an experience uh, mindset, uh, you, uh, you are going to unravel value. And that is, in my opinion, the, how, uh, how founders typically think, which is what value can I unravel? To have unravel value that, and it's based on certain aspects of experience, which it's, it's more tangible, it can be measured, uh, then there's magic that's happening. And then there's real difference. That you, so um, there's a lot, I mean, uh, there's a lot to dig into. I mean, in terms of what use cases then uh, one could go after. Uh, it, it, people are interested, by the way, to answer that question also from, uh, from what perspective, what would we do uh, in the emotion AI space and the behavioral AI space? We have an open API, uh, which we make available to developers and we make available to researchers. In fact, uh, we work with, uh, we work with uh, educational institutions uh, to, to make that capability available for research free of charge, and they can use it towards uh, certain use cases that are working in their labs. And, and user engines, you could, you could you know, upload audio and mm-hmm. you could get um, detailed uh, insights spit out uh, from, uh, from from our API outputs that you could leverage into into your research. So um, happy to work with uh, anyone who is interested. Um, reach out to us. Uh, go to our webpage or um, you know, which is behavioralsignals.com. The 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 U.S. spelling of behavior, not the British spelling, you know, without the U. And uh, uh, and, and, and reach out to us and I would happy to, happy to work with you. You know, I, I think you're spot on. That's absolutely fantastic advice because there are so many different channels and different platforms that can be used with this technology so far. It really is just kind of narrowing down what is the most efficient use case of it for what you're trying to accomplish. So I think that's really solid advice. And yeah, you mentioned it, if you want to learn more about behavioral signals, how to do that. And if anybody wanted to reach out to you or learn more about behavioral signals, other than the website, is there any other ways for them to go about doing so? You could reach out to me on my personal website. Uh, it's my first and the last name.com. So ranagujral.com uh, or reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or t- uh, Twitter. Um, any of those platforms work. Um, and um, I'm, I'm very, very eager to learn about new use cases. Uh, if you have some interesting ideas, I'm always looking to sort of, uh, you know, understand those and see where are those points of connect. So happy to, happy to engage. Fantastic. Well, Rana, this, this has been an awesome podcast to say the least. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I've, I feel like I've just learned so much from talking with you. It's been incredible. And I know the listeners will have, taken many, many different things away from what we've talked about as well. Likewise, Nick. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. Chat soon. Artificial intelligence. Voice recognition. Machine learning. Robot. You've been listening to the Artificial Podcast with your host, Nick Myers. Nick Myers. To stay up to date with all our latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. To learn more about how your organization can benefit by unlocking the power of AI and voice, visit www.redfox-ai.com. Until next time.